We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 204 of Pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso on what is a gorgeous day here in Stamford, Connecticut. We're looking at 86 and sunny. Uh, we're going to have T balls flying here in a couple hours. But first, we got to do the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 204 with my guy, Matt. Before we dive into anything, Matt, we got draft talk. We, we do. got a little mismanagement on the South side. Uh, mm-hmm. We got some excitement in Major League Baseball. And maybe a post-mortem on ice. We're going to touch it all, but first and foremost, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. So did you guys just get the weather that we got yesterday? Is that kind of Apparently, how this I think works? That's, because that's usually, yeah. Le- leaving that's usually for work, how it goes. I, I threw on my normal jeans and a quarter zip, and I was like walking to my car, which is half a block away. I was like, holy hell, I'm like starting to bead here because it's 85 yeah, it was, degrees and I'm wearing oh, wow, a black quarter beating. zip and jeans. He's beating. He, well, can't I, even, he can't even enjoy the spring. The kids I, are no, beating. no, like it was, it was, I was, I was happy. I was, it was totally cool with it. It's better than walking out and having that bitter cold hitch in the face. It was just, it was, it was a surprise. I was happy for it. So I'm, I'm glad you got start, that weather. Glad you can take advantage of it today. We're going to start sprinkling a day or two in like that, I'm sure. And then, you know, it'll probably snow next week. Who knows? Yeah, well, but, we got uh, back here. It's back to like 60-something. and looks like it's going to rain today. But I'll, again, I'll take that over the, the 30 don't get, snowing we had like last week. You know, that's why we are who we are. Chicago will just tell you, don't don't get too ahead of yourself. Yeah. Don't get too full of yourself, kid. No, we, got, we got some cold fronts on the way. Nothing can knock you down back a peg like Chicago weather. That's it. That's it. Well, there's your weather talk. Weather on the 10s with Matt and Joe. We'll send it back your way, Phil. Um, good, Matt, good impression. Big story right now, NFL draft just a day away, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, this could be dated, so listen to it today. Get it, get it, download, Listen subscribe. to it today and listen. then listen to it after and see how wrong And we see were. how right we were. No, see that, how oh, right we God, were. That's what, yeah, that's what I meant to say was right. And that's what we're going to do. We're obviously going to you know, give the Bears and their draft outlook here with pick number 20 and so on and so forth. But the conversation has really surrounded, as it always does, the first half of the first round. And mm-hmm. I said it on air the other day. And Pete Prisco gave me a nod of approval, which is all I look for. But, um, you know, we, we just labor over the front half of the first round mm-hmm. where teams and championships are built two, three, four, five. Like, that's where you build depth. That's where yeah. you uh, find that sleeper. And no one seems to give a damn about that. So we won't be able to really forecast too far out what teams are going to do in those mid to later rounds. But let's talk about the front half of the first round right now. It's, it's what everyone does. Um, and I want you to give me your mock draft. There's been a million mocks floating around and, and the draft really essentially starts at three with the Niners, but give me your first four picks. Cause I'm really interested to see what you think the Niners will do and what the Falcons will then do at four. Well, I think one, two is it seems like they've been locked in there at Lawrence and, and uh, Wilson for months now. Um, I, I keep going back and forth with the Niners, whether or not I think this Mac Jones. But wait, thing Matt, is, before before ahead. you get into it, I'm sorry to cut you off. Sure, because I agree with you. Yeah, and 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 I think pretty much the consensus is that. Yeah, but why? Because between last snaps of mm-hmm. the season in the national title game and now. So much has changed, and I don't know what has. Like these we guys haven't gotten this. any better; they haven't gotten any worse. We talk about it every single every year, year, but why are we just laying the cards out on the table and saying, "Yeah, it's Zach Wilson at two? Because one, 
I don't believe he's the second best quarterback in this class. And two, this group think that leads everyone into the same idea, while it might be while it might be right in the sense that that's who will be picked, I think it's flawed in the way that people are assessing their draft boards. I, I, I totally sense. agree, and I don't really know how it gets done. I mean, every year there's these, especially yeah. quarterbacks, guys that start shooting up draft boards without playing any snaps, without getting anything more on tape other than a pro day. And I, I don't understand it. It's been Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, one, two for yeah. what was one, them one, two for a year. And then the season ends and all of a sudden Zach Wilson went from, oh, maybe, maybe the Bears will get him at 20. Or, you know, if the Bears, if, before we knew where the Bears were picking, maybe he'll be there when the Bears are picking too. He's going number two to the Jets. I, I really just, I don't understand it. And it's, it's funny you bring it up. You mentioned talking to Pete Prisco. He might be referencing his article on CBSSports.com. That's a nice mm-hmm. little plug for you. It's, it's his what they should do. No, no, no. It's not what they should do. I said it wasn't a mock draft. You got to listen, Joe. Listening's yeah. a skill. Um, yeah, he's got Trevor Lawrence going one, Justin Fields number two. And I, I, that's how I think it should go. I don't really know why it's changed. I'm always wary of the guys that shoot up the draft boards when, without having played football. Um, but in terms of what I think is going to happen, I don't know why it's Zach Wilson. But it yeah. seems to be a consensus that it's going to be Zach Wilson. And when you have that much consensus – there's rarely that big of a swerve in the NFL draft, I feel like. like you don't really see that that often, especially at least with those two picks, I feel like. I we totally, kind of know where they're going to go. I completely agree with you. I just wanted to examine that a little bit. So yeah. you're going, we're going Lawrence at one, Wilson at two. I'll agree with you on my mock. Now let's talk four and five, or three and four. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to skip to four because I think the Falcons are taking Kyle Pitts. I, just, I think that's a... That's a match made. That they think they both want that. I think they. I think the Falcons could very much use him. Um, I don't know why the Falcons seem to be kind of dead set on not getting a quarterback to to replace Matt Ryan somewhere down the road. Arthur Blank, the owner, doesn't want to. He's just in love with Matt Ryan, and he's not ready to say that. Fair enough. Start grooming someone else. Fair enough. Apparently, the, apparently the personnel department really wants a quarterback, but the guy that signs the checks gets final say in that yeah. building. But you know what? If you're, you're not if most. you're not going to go with a quarterback, you might as well go with maybe the best player in the draft and that might yep. best talent in the draft that might be including Trevor Lawrence, Kyle, and Kyle Pitts. Um, I think he has the highest ceiling of anybody. But at number three, I just I don't know why, but I just I can't buy the Mac Jones thing. I I, I don't buy that the Niners traded up that far to go get Mac Jones, a guy that they could have gotten probably at the back end of the top 10. I, I think they're going to take, I'm Justin having trouble Fields. with it too, Matt. I think I, they're going to take Justin Fields. I, I just, that usually makes we don't, too much sense to me. Usually we don't sit here and agree like on any four things in a no. row, but I completely agree with you. I think it's Trevor Lawrence at one. I, I think that it's Zach Wilson at two. I, same. I, I, I if they really take Mac think, Jones, I'm not really going to be floored. But like, I just, I, don't I think that's I will why they be. Up. I will be because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let the last couple months of everyone telling me Mac Jones is the, is that dude. Like Mac Jones was a late first to mid second round yeah. pick until Kyle Shanahan traded two first round picks for that third overall pick. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, and then they floated out the idea that it's, it could be Mac Jones there at three. It's either, and then this week, most recently it's been said it's either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. The scouting department wants Lance and Shanahan wants Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of disagreements in different buildings, but I just don't understand. And I've said it here in the past that like, you know, I kind of put my trust 
in Kyle Shanahan, and I put my trust in John Lynch that, you know, these are two of the best minds in football, not just X's and O's, but from an executive yeah. standpoint as well. And it just doesn't add up that you couldn't hold water. And yeah, you got to move up a little bit, but maybe move to, maybe move into number eight, take that Washington pick, move into nine. Denver's been wishy-washy about what they want to do. If you think Mac Jones is still going to be there, you're going to move all the way up to three for a guy that hasn't shown us that he's worthy of a third overall pick. That no one thought I, I, was worthy of a third overall pick, like you said, until they made this deal. I'm not seeing why. I'm not seeing Justin Fields. Um, I'm not seeing the gas mask picture. I'm not seeing uh, a, an alarming film study. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing things that should be dropping Justin Fields down the board. The kid is six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. He's started 34 games for a, a couple of programs you may have heard of, Georgia mm-hmm. and Ohio State. Like, he checks every box. He has mobility in a game that's getting more mobile by the moment. He has size. He has speed. Is his accuracy a little shaky? But, yeah, maybe that's something you can hone in if you get him with the right people and you get him around the right targets and you let him mature because he's 20-something years old. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand – just as much as I don't understand the Matt Jones – catapulting to three. I don't understand Justin Fields dropping. Um, and I mean, if you're going to look at Chris Sims mock draft earlier this morning, all the way to 32, to which Tampa, is insane. Absolute clickbait because he's not getting past 20. If he's there and the bears are there and Correct. if he does, and if he does get past 20, Fire the bears everyone. are there. Mutiny, mutiny, mutiny led by Matt Rooney. Mutiny. I will, but, I will drive to New York. I, I'm digressing on the – it's Cleveland. I'm digressing on the, the major point. I believe so. Why? Right? They're doing them on uh, location. It was supposed to be Vegas last year, and then Cleveland got this. Oh, year, yeah. Like that. Well, good. It's an easier drive for me. <laughs> there you go. Um, but um, I, I feel like we've digressed <laughs> off the major point of I completely agree with you that I think – Kyle Shanahan, I, I can't get myself to believe that it's Mac Jones at three. So I think Kyle Shanahan's throwing up smoke screens. It's going to go Lawrence at one, Wilson at two, Fields at three, Pitts at four. It, it just, I just can't not see Kyle Pitts in an Atlanta uniform. Like it just, it looks like he's going to he's, be, he's gonna be that, that dude. He's going to be that dude in that helmet in like the black jersey with the red gradient. In the Mercedes look like Benz suit, whatever it's called just, now. Could create a player. He's just got to create a player, like absolute day one starter tool for Matt Ryan to throw to. Um, could it go a million different ways? Yes. Could it be Jones at three and then, you know, blank folds and they take fields at four? Very well. Very well possible if he's around there at four. That would um, be the I, ultimate smokescreen if the Car- <laughs> Falcons ended up taking a quarterback because literally nobody's talking about yeah, that. But, but but yeah, they were. They were. No, no, in, in the last few weeks, we've seen, I feel like nobody's yeah, we've, talking about that. We've seen those mocks where it's been quarterbacks one through four mm-hmm. until you get Cincinnati uh, taking somebody not a quarterback at five. And I think that Cincinnati at five to go one further here just needs to – they just need to either take Panay Sewell or the Derrissaw kid because they, they – Christian Derrissaw. They, they need to get protection for a kid who just blew his knee out. Yeah, it'd be great to have Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow reunited in Cincinnati to see how that would go with those offensive weapons. But they couldn't block a soul a year ago. Yeah. Um, and, and they need to figure that out before they can go out and get any pieces beyond that, I think. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like, I, I see Jamar Chase is a great player. He's probably the best receiver in this draft. He's going to 100%. Very likely no, have, no question. Yeah, he's going to very likely have a fantastic NFL career, all of that. But 
especially with where you're at with Cincinnati, with you have obviously your franchise quarterback. You have some mm-hmm. ta- you have some talent on the outside. You have some playmakers on the offensive end. Your offensive line is so depleted. You, you're not going to get any better, especially in that division now that has you know Pittsburgh has maybe the best defense, one a top five defense in the NFL. The Browns might have the best defensive front seven, front four in the NFL. The Ravens are the Ravens. They're going to have a good defense. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to block those guys. And the offensive line you have now cannot do it. Jamar Chase, as good as he might be in the NFL, is not going to stop, you know, Miles Garrett or or, uh, TJ Watt. He's he's not going to protect Joe Burrow from that. And Joe Burrow coming off a knee, you're going to need to go get that protection. I I don't understand the mocks that don't have them taking Panay Sewell or whichever tackle they are most infatuated with. And frankly, Matt, I think that this is this is the snake oil wide receiver draft. No disrespect to the guys at the top of the draft because mm-hmm. I do think that Jamar Chase is an absolute pro's pro for the next decade. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what where Devonta Smith goes and, and as a Heisman Award winner and undersized guy, what he can do. Similar mm-hmm. to Darius Toney, even smaller than Smith. Waddle, he's undersized as well. These guys are all fitting that mold of the smaller slot guy, which yeah. seems to be where the game is going. Um, harder to hit type guys um, as this game has been geared more towards protecting those guys. So size becomes a little less of a premium uh, when, when your wide receivers just need speed, they need explosivity, they need all of these things before they need size. You know, yeah, it's great to have a DK Metcalf, but I think we're seeing the game go towards a little bit smaller wide receiver yeah. right now. Um, not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make here is that there's a ton a ton of wide receiver depth in this class guys that you know you heard about on Saturday but we're not making a big deal about there's there's mm-hmm. there's guys that are going to be gettable in rounds 2 and 3 if you're needing to bolster wide receiver depth especially if you don't need a one if you don't need a bona fide one like a guy like Jamar Chase who can come in and be your one day mm-hmm. one then go a different direction go get your guy a little bit of protection in the first round yeah. and then you know you have um who they take a year ago um, after Burrow, they took uh, T, uh, T. Higgins. Higgins. They uh, got yeah, Higgins I'm... there. Um, they got some other pieces. Yeah, AJ Green has moved on, and that was never that hasn't been a healthy option for the last half mm-hmm. decade. But um, I really think they need to tend to that uh, tackle position. You, you, you're or, saying or guard you can, if they're going to go Sewell. You can get Rick. Obviously, the, those top end receivers do end up usually be, a lot of the times end up being stars, very good, all that. But like. Is look look at the Bears last year took Darnell Mooney in the fifth round and they mm-hmm. now now that doesn't always happen but like guys like that I happen just about every year where you can find a guy in the fourth round you can find a guy in the fifth round that yeah is he going to be Allen Robinson no but look at what he is he's a key cog in an offense he'd be a key cog in any offense he's going to be a number two wide receiver like if you're Cincy you have your number one right now in T Higgins you don't need to go add another number one. Mm-hmm. You can you just need to go out and find those guys that can kind of complement and be successful pros. You don't need a bunch of star receivers. You need to protect your quarterback. I'm, I'm going to read you a list of. First I'm very round happy you're talking uh, about the importance of offensive line play over wide receiver play. Too. You it's can't do nice it. I mean, but but you can't do anything without it. We're not going to beat around the bush. I'm They're just not going to get the headlines. It's nice They're not going to get the headlines on it's Sunday. It's nice but, to hear you say it. That's all. Um, I'm going to read you a list of recent first round wide receiver picks. DJ Moore. He's been good. Mm-hmm. Not great. 2018, 24th overall yeah. pick. Calvin Ridley, 2018, 26th overall pick. He's been good. Mm-hmm. At times, he's been really good. Can't really stay on the field, or at least last season, that was an issue. Devontae Parker for the Dolphins, 2015, 14th overall fine. pick. Mike Williams, 2017, 7th overall pick. 
Marquise Brown, 2019, 25th overall pick, underside speedster, really hasn't panned out. Will Fuller, 2016, 21st overall pick, speedster, always injured. Um, there, there's other guys. I mean, Nikhil Harry in 2019, John Ross in 2017. Um, you go back to 2015, Kevin White was an absolute bust for the Bears. It's just it's just not a sure thing. Any nobody's a sure thing in these mm-hmm. drafts. So if you're going to go spend that capital capital on someone, spend it on a position that's again no, not to disrespect immediately the offensive line position, but it's a lot easier to assess offensive line talent. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know what's in front of you um, than it is to assess some of these position players and how their skill sets are going to translate. It's been a long time since a first round wide receiver pick has won a Super Bowl. There's just so many things that tell you, wait on those wideouts. Make sure your scouting department is sound and go find somebody. Look Mm -hmm. at the two guys who led the league in receptions and in yards a year ago. Uh, I believe that um, Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Yes, I believe so, yeah. Jarvis Landry, I believe, was early third. So if you're telling me that there isn't value to be found in the NFL draft later rounds of wide receiver – maybe you just don't have a great developmental system in your building. Like maybe you don't have good scouting and maybe you don't have the coaches to then develop those talents because people are missing on wideouts every single year. You know, I, I think you can find some Darnell Mooney type value, maybe not in the fifth. Cause that's a, I mean, that's, that's big time. Um, but I think there's some second, third round talent hanging around there for Cincinnati to then go tackle or guard at one yeah no, in the I, first round you, you mentioned the development i think that's kind of a, that's a big part of it too because you look at a lot of the offensive linemen that are coming into the draft there's not a lot that aren't coming that are coming in the draft that aren't really ready to be in the draft i mm. feel like you face if you're a wide receiver a lot of times in college you can get away with just being faster than everybody and being a little bit you know having a few more having more skill than everybody, whatever. Whereas when you get to the pros, you really need to hone in that technique. And I think technique is something that's more honed, uh, honed in on focused on an offensive line play where it's a little bit easier to pick out when you're scouting people. Whereas when you get some receivers in the pros, yeah, they're incredibly talented. They just can't figure it out. And it's hard to, it's some people can't develop mm-hmm. them the way they need to be developed. Yeah. Uh, Matt, let's go bear specific. That was talking Bengals draft. We, <laughs> the, the, well, but it, it just goes to show like how, how these how this three through five section is really a fulcrum for the rest of the draft. Uh You're going to find out what direction teams are going to go after that fifth overall pick. I feel Mm -hmm. like, um, or largely after that third overall pick, but I want to go bear specific here for a moment, which is something we haven't done on the pod in quite some time because frankly, my heart and my health cannot take it. Um, but we're going to have something to chew on here uh, after Thursday's draft, taking a look at the draft board for the Bears. Round one, pick 20. Round two, pick 52. Mm-hmm. Round three, pick 83. Round five, pick 164. Then four in the sixth. 204, 208, 221, 228. Uh, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight total picks in the upcoming draft. I don't know if they select in all of them. Uh, if they move back, if they move up, I, I really don't know the draft strategy of the Bears, nor do I care to wrestle over it too much because they're going to do something that's going to piss us off. Yep, um, probably. But just, but just for argument's sake here, having seen Justin Fields slide to 32, I, I want you to take me, or I want to walk through okay. how Justin Fields could get to the Bears at 20. So it's Trevor Lawrence <sighs> 1, Zach Wilson at 2, um, 
Let, let's see. 49ers. Dude, 49ers are taking whoever they're taking. Yeah. Atlanta's not taking. Atlanta could present a problem. Three and four. I could see three and four both taking fields. Let's assume he moves past three and four. You got five with Cincinnati. They got their quarterback. Six with Miami. They got their quarterback. Seven with Detroit. I mean, they have a quarterback. I don't know if it's their quarterback. I could see them taking fields there at seven. I, uh, it's been my I don't before. think that they – I think – with where they're at, I think they have a guy that they want to learn more about, and I think there's mm-hmm. so many problems on that team and that roster that they would probably say, like, I'm, I'm, I pulled up Chris Sims' mock draft. Thoughts, thoughts if, and prayers to Jared Goff, If, if Panay Sewell gets the number seven and you're Detroit, you have to take Panay Sewell. Yeah. I mean, he, he's going to be your left tackle for the next 10, 12 years. And you brought in a quarterback that, while has some flaws, you're one, paying a lot of money, and two, has been to a Super Bowl. You, you can't really, it, it's, not, it's, it's not like they brought in Andy Dalton who would do that right mm-hmm. um, I think mm-hmm. after you get to seven is is where you start seeing you start getting worried about teams trading up for those guys that you want to head yeah. in um, yep. you know, will Carolina take a quarterback will they trade out and kind of grab some more picks you have it's right, you're getting ahead of me now you're getting ahead of me well you told me to talk about it i know i wanted you to assess the one pick i wanted you to assess okay i wanted you to assess Detroit at seven if you could see them taking Justin Fields I Nothing shocks me in the NFL draft anymore because I feel like we've kind of seen it all, but I would be fairly surprised if they did not go tackle or receiver. Okay, Carolina at eight also could select a quarterback. Denver at nine also could select a quarterback if they're not convinced on lock. Dallas at 10 is not taking a quarterback. New York at 11 is not taking a quarterback. The Eagles, they could take a kicker at 12. Again, nothing would surprise me. Um, I, I think that they could take a quarterback. They're the ultimate wild card, I think, here. It, it's, a, it's an open competition, and yeah. everybody's playing rock, paper, scissors. Chargers aren't taking quarterback. Vikings, maybe. Be surprised. Uh, New England at 15. Very well Fields, Yeah, like the Bears, the point I'm trying to make here is that the Bears need to move up to – I would the, the first if he gets, to, if he if gets he, to ten. If he gets to ten, you move to twelve. I was going to say if he gets past Denver. If he gets past Denver, you move up to twelve to go get him. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. I was I was going to say eight because I still I for whatever reason just I think Denver is going to go defense. I think, I think that's Denver's in love with Drew Locke that much that if Justin no, Fields I think wasn't they're there. I think they're more not sold on Drew Locke and think they're building something special on defense and want to add to that. Um, okay. And I mean the guy running it is Vic Fangio right now. And I, it, it, I do say that right now, but he is still a head coach with some say, and he's, but, he, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I, it would, I know. And I, 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 I get what you're saying. For them there. I, I, I get what you're saying, but if you're Ryan Pace for the bears front office, you can't just, you can't oh, you just can't take a that, chance. No. You can't just take a chance that he's going to be there. You need to be on it, the you, phone. It needs to be a sure thing. It needs to be a sure thing that yes. either Denver's 100%. not going quarterback or you need to see the ninth pick taken i was so gonna dallas say, is on the clock at 10 we're moving to 12 i was gonna say even 11 to get ahead of philly um yeah. I, I would be on the phone a yeah, lot but no, this week philly, with philly is 12 we're taking phillies we're trading with philly no so i would say trade in front of philly get to number 11 with the giants because you don't like we were talking about with philly but if you're trading card, but if you're trading with philly matt you're getting their pick i know i'm saying they might not want to trade your pick because they might want okay well then yeah then you that's have to entertain then you have yes. to entertain 11 that's why i'm saying i'm saying if, if Philly doesn't want a quarterback and they're cool with training back, obviously go there. But I'm saying okay, so, so you, have, what's you might the, have to be the worried there? about them taking What's the cost there? First, first round pick 2022, first round pick 2023. 
you got to get rid of one of the, you got to give them Nick Foles or Andy Dalton, right? Yeah. That's 100%. like not because they want them, but because we can't, we just can't have can't it. Have it. Like you just can't yeah. have it. Someone's there, got to pick probably, up that $10 million tab. There's probably some mid to late round pick in there as well. Um, is almost yeah. like a, t- please take this guy and here's a pick for him. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would be on the phone a lot this week with Carolina at eight and New York at 11. I think those right, would be the, the two prime spots to trade up into. Let's now go about our business as if, as if that doesn't happen. Uh, Justin Fields goes at, at three or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Bears are not in the uh, market for a first-round quarterback at 20. Where would you like to see them go? Uh, tackle. tackle. Uh, I, I, now, it, now it, I, if there's a run on tackles early, which mm-hmm. it's it sounds funny to say, but they're, they're very well might be in this draft. I think there's a lot of first-round talent. If there's a run on tackles early and you're kind of left with the one you don't want at 20, I guess I would get it if they went a different direction. I'm not really sure where else they'd go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would, I mean, I don't know who's going to fall. I don't know who likes who more. I think Sewell is, is kind of clearly the number one. And then after but, that, if you go, if you go back to Pete Prisco's, what they should do, he thinks Derisaw. He has Derisaw as, as his top he one. Thinks Darisaw, he thinks that we've talked ourselves into Sewell as a little bit too much of like a Canton bound kid right off the bat. Um, uh, you know, uh, to assess offensive line play, I'm more taking the um, I'm more taking the experts and analysts at their mm-hmm. word. Um, but Darisaw is currently ranked on, I believe it's Pro Football Focus, as the number three overall offensive lineman behind Slater out of mm-hmm. Northwestern, Sewell out of Oregon. It's Darisaw out of Virginia Tech at three, um, and then it goes Walker Little, Tevin Jenkins, Dylan Radznas. Samuel Cosme. So, and then mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly enough, beyond beyond him, Alex Leatherwood, the kid from Alabama. Yeah. Where if you're giving me a tackle out of Alabama, I don't care how you rank them. If all those other guys go and there are there is a run on tackles, and Leatherwood is a bear at, at the twentieth pick, I can't say I'm all too angry. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of like I don't know how the obviously there's a reason he's he's not you know being projected to be a top tackle taken, but like I don't think if you take the starting left tackle for the Alabama Crimson Tide, <laughs> that you're going to have a, a low when floor. In doubt, I think your floor will be high and Bama. you'll have a guy that can start. And yes, when in doubt, if you draft somebody from Alabama, no one in this city is going to be mad at you. I and guarantee you know what, it. With, you know if what it's that Max also Jones, does? If it's, if it's Alex Leatherwood, because there's a run on tackles, and you say, yep, we got the best player from the University of Alabama. And, and okay. You know what else that does? It, that opens up a through line, your organization – to um, Nick Saban. And I'm not saying that that you're going to get a bunch of Alabama products beyond that, but Nick Saban has always been a guy who who has no problem conversing and giving information to the next level. He likes helping his guys out Mm -hmm. to the next level. He likes giving positive reviews, but he's not going to beat you around the bush. Like if you need to make a call to Nick Saban to learn about Alex Leatherwood today – and what he projects, and if you think he's a 20th overall pick, Nick Saban's going to give he's you his honest opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, if they're going to move up, it better be for Fields or for nothing else. I don't want to see Trey Lance. I don't want to see the Bears move up for Trey Lance. I, I've, I've seen a quarterback with 13 starts to his name play, play quarterback for the Bears for the last four and a half years. I can't do it. I can't do it. If there is a direct line in assessing quarterback talent and the probability of success at the next level, it's one thing. There's a direct correlation between number of snaps in college and the quality of those snaps. So Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Power yeah. Five Conference. There is a direct line between 
repetition at the collegiate level and success at the NFL level. So often we talk about all these guys, their first year quarterbacks never succeed in the NFL. Not true. First year quarterbacks with 13 starts to their name in college don't succeed in the NFL. First year quarterbacks with one year under their belt don't succeed in the NFL. That's why that extra year is important in the NFL to sit behind somebody and learn, especially if you haven't had those 13 starts. Ideal situation, you can sit a quarterback who has 30 starts to his name, a la Justin Fields. Now, if Justin Fields is the Bears quarterback, do I want him starting day one? Yes. Don't give me Andy Dalton day, mm-hmm. game week one. I don't want to see any of that. But my point is here, if you're going to – go with a quarterback, early first round, late first round, second round, whatever it is, give me the guy who has at least two years under his belt. That's why I love Justin Fields in this draft. That's why Trevor Lawrence is undeniable. Yes, it's because of his skill set. It's also because of the experience that he has. Mm -hmm. Matt Jones is a one-year starter. Trey Lance is a one-year starter. Zach Wilson, I'm not positive. He's a two-year starter. I think he's a two-year starter. But that just goes to show, and not that I'm patting myself on my back and my knowledge of of BYU football, but we didn't hear we didn't hear a whole lot about about Zach Wilson two years ago. You know who we were talking about? This transfer, Justin Fields, is going from Georgia to Ohio State. He's going to be awesome. That was three years ago. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Justin Fields. I think sometimes these analysts they get a little bit tired of saying the same name year over year, and they start completely outsmarting. Agree. They start outsmarting themselves. It's not outsmart ourselves about Justin Fields here. It's it's almost like they start arguing against themselves. But I, I want essentially I want to ask you the same question. Pretty much, you just asked me. Say Fields is Ian Fields goes in the top three, top four, whatever. He's not an option for the Bears. Say the Bears are picking at number twenty. What direction is, do you want to see them go? Tackle? Is it just kind of best tackle? You got to go offensive line. Point? Best tackle available that you think can be a stalwart on that O-line for the next decade. And I know that's like the that's like the regurgitated line about offensive linemen. Oh, he's a 10-year. He's, he's going to be there for a decade. And none of that's ever given, but it's the easiest, like I said, one of the easiest positions to evaluate. Mm-hmm. It's pretty straightforward in the type of person you're getting. Make sure the character is correct. Make sure the injuries, that he doesn't have a long history of injury. Make sure the feet are good. Make sure the hands are good. Make sure it's a moldable piece of clay. Give me that guy. Because frankly, if I'm going to have to watch a season of Bears football with either Andy Dalton or Nick Foles under center, we better have an offensive line or it's going, or they're going to be the most sacked team in the NFL. Those are two of the most immobile quarterbacks. Whoever's yeah. going to be the starter, we are going to have one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the NFL. So shearing up that offensive well line, shearing up the offensive line for the short term is huge. If you want to have any success with either one of these quarterbacks, shearing up the offensive line long term for when we do have a quarterback we can be proud of, mm-hmm. whether that's two years, three years, or 30 years from now. Um, you got to think offensive line before you can think anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's somehow Rashawn Slater falls, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, uh, what about the other? What about the other needs for the Bears coming into this draft? I think we need to find some depth behind David Montgomery. Uh, I yeah. think I think the wide receiver situation needs to be addressed once again uh, after the Anthony Miller project ultimately comes up he's still flat. On the team. Uh, is no is Anthony Miller still on the team? I believe so. I think they were shopping. Thought, they were looking to move him. I don't think they ended up moving him, did they? I thought they released him. I thought he was released. Let's, let's Google it. This is easy. Yeah, look that up. Anthony Miller still says he's a receiver for the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah. All right. There were rumors um, out there that they were trying to get rid. I, I don't think they want to just flat out cut him. I think they want to find a way to get rid of him. But yeah, he's is that he's yeah, still they want to get something. So maybe that's maybe that's a, a piece you package in that deal to get up to number nine or number mm-hmm. whatever we thought it was to go get uh, Fields if we can uh, if we can dream if a guy can dream. Um, but Matt, beyond that, yeah, I think running back needs to be addressed. Wide receiver maybe in the later rounds where there is some value. Uh, what else would you like to see done in the Bears? Uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't hate someone up front defensively. It, it, I, you're getting older there. You're not really getting much younger. You just lost Roy Robertson Harris. You're always banged up, and, and we keep saying every year that, you know, when Hicks is out, the, you can't expect this defense to do much, whatever. They need to find some more depth up there, and I think that's, it's weird to say because that's something that we've been so, like, accustomed to being good for a while. But I, I do really think you need to keep building the depth up there. Also on the outside, I mean, you just lost Kyle Fuller, so you, you kind of need to go get yeah. another corner, figure out your, your options out there. Um, I do think that, you know, we've, we've spent a, a bit of time here talking about the Bears moving up to go get a quarterback, but if they're sitting in their picks and trying to grab someone – with that second round pick, with that third round pick, do you have any interest in seeing them go quarterback in a mid round and get another one yes. on the roster? Uh, yes. Helen Mond, a, uh, a Kyle Trask, a the Wilson kid from Stanford. Who who piques your interest? Uh, I like I like Kellen Mond. Um, I just I I forgot the article I was reading, uh, but it, it it had to do with his accuracy. You know, statistics, his his completion percentage in the SEC, kind of what he was doing was something that ha- we haven't really seen in quite some time. And mm-hmm. anybody that can Had do a couple that, stinkers in there, but he, that's he, why we're not talking about him yeah, as a first that's round. That's why I'm not you know? saying go grab him at 20. But yeah. if you have a guy that's played for that long in the SEC, which he has, I believe a three-year starter for a coach like Jimbo Fisher, who granted wasn't a pro coach, but is one of the best college has to offer, um, who can be that accurate. That's a, that's probably the guy of all the, of, of after the big five, whatever you want to talk it, that I would love to see the bears take a shot on that, you know, it, it, in the second round, or I don't think he'll be there in the third round, but something along the lines of there, uh, that would kind of be the guy I'd like. I don't get uh, Davis Mills. I don't really understand it. See, um, I was just about, I was just about to tell you that I do get Davis Mills. Okay, and I really you. like Davis Mills. And I think that, Stanford football has done a really poor job beyond Andrew Luck of yeah. marketing their players because the 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 offense just, or at least their offensive players the offense just does not sing on tape they're running power o they're 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 too tight end they're mm-hmm. you're really not highlighting quarterback or position players in that offense and I've heard a lot of comparisons most recently Pete Prisco a day ago talking about how Mills reminds him of. Andrew Luck light, obviously okay. not to that point, but yeah. has all of those intangibles of like sort of robo QB does everything by the book. Um, really, really sharp kid, great footwork. Um, he's going to sell every bootleg fake because yeah. that's what he was taught to do. Like just really your, your prototypical professional quarterback who if put in the right situation could succeed. He actually had them projected in the, what they should do draft at 32 to be the Tom Brady understudy in Tampa Bay. And if there's a situation, I mean, if there's a situation coveted for one of these quarterbacks, who's not going to go in the top 10 picks, it's that that one one right there to go 32 and learn from Tom Brady for the next two years. Okay. That's just he, to me, and I haven't done nearly as much of the research or clearly talked to the amount of people that you have. Um, just seemed like one of those guys that like a Zach Wilson, obviously not to that extent, 
but we just talked kept, themselves into kept a little bit. shooting up boards and people kept talking themselves into without actually having seen be the play case. more football. Um, yeah, that said, I mean, it, sometimes, I mean, sometimes those guys do end up, I don't think they're usually the guys that shoot up in the first round that end up working out, but there are guys that gain stock that, you know, talk themselves up from fifth round picks to fourth round picks or whatever. I, I think there's, if you think that's, that's the guy, go take a chance on him. I don't blame you there in that second or third, fourth round, whatever, wherever he's going to be at. It just, to me, I haven't seen him play enough football. I haven't read enough about him. He just his peripherals to me seem like one of those guys that's just shooting up draft boards for the sake of shooting up draft boards. Yeah. Um, I do want to give a closing thought here on the bears because as you've talked and as we've been talking, it's really dawned upon me and not that this feeling wasn't here before these last few moments, but the bears are in a really bad place from just like as a team, the, the like head the headspace of the team right now is not good, and we've seen a lot of that in the past years. Mm-hmm. Not believing in the play calling, not believing in the head coaching, not believing in the system, not believing in one another. Um, the defense sort of laying an egg a year ago because that juice was not there. To bring back juice to this team, to this program, if you will, to bring the juice back. You need to make the move up to go get Justin Fields. There is not a pick yes. on the board. There is not a player on the board that you could get at 20 that is going to reignite the spirit of this team because I, I still have a really hard time believing that this Bears roster should not contend for a division. Like, yeah, we need to shore up the offensive line. Yeah, the quarterback position isn't great, and those are the two things that drive the engine of the offense. So I understand why it's not working, mm-hmm. but the talent on the roster – from Allen Robinson. I don't care if you're unhappy and you're on the franchise tag. You are who you are. Go be great. From what Cole Komet projected towards in the second half of last season, for what David Montgomery was in the fifth leading rusher in the NFL a year ago, for what Khalil Mack still is, uh, still is advertised as, for what Hicks needs to be in a contract year, for what Eddie Jackson was th- two years ago in an all-pro safety on the back end. Yeah, Fuller's gone. For what Roquan Smith is on a fifth year mm-hmm. of his rookie deal, trying to go earn a check that he's well-earned already. Like, there's talent on this team. This team needs to be reignited. And to reignite this team, you move up, you go get Justin Fields, and you win a damn Super Bowl. I'm sorry, I'm off. No, I'm I'm with you because, like, we talk – I've said it 100,000 times. I I think the 2018 Cody Parkey kick just completely broke this team. I I think after that, there was a loss of confidence. There was a loss of confidence in in each other, in the coaches, the locker room, everything. I, I just think everything from there on was shot. I don't think much has changed in terms of the talent that is on this team compared to the talent that was on the, on you know that team in 2018 that was 12 mm-hmm. and four and dominant. What they need is a confidence boost. They need a shot in the arm. They need some juice. And if you go up and if Justin Fields does, I mean, if he goes no, at number three, there's really nothing you can do because that's, can the, do? The, yeah. there's nothing you can do there. But if he gets past number three. You have to get be on, on the, the phone. phone with Carolina and you have to have a deal in place with Carolina to go. Cause I don't think the Bengals are trading out. They're going to take a lineman. The dolphins, I would be very surprised if they traded out of that pick. And I don't think any, I don't think the lions would trade back either unless they got blown away. So you, you have to have a deal contingent with Carolina that as long as if Justin Fields is there at eight, we're trading for yeah. If you want yeah, to reintegrate the fan agree. base, the team, Probably your coaching staff to a standpoint too, but more importantly, that that roster and that defense get part of getting that defense's confidence swagger back is getting them that quarterback, that offense to be on the other side of the ball that they've never really had. Uh, I say this out of one side of my mouth because I understand the evil that it welcomes, but this is it, Ryan Pace. 
Oh, it is. This is your last chance. This is your last call. You don't get you don't get a bunch more picks. And I'm sorry, the way that Ryan Pace has managed this Bears organization could be your last shot as the guy in the big chair mm-hmm. forever. You might never be a general manager again. This might be your last chance to pick and hand in the card at the NFL draft. What are you going to do? And I say that out of one side of my mouth because I understand that welcomes in the thought that, hey, I, my future's on the, my, my personal future's on the line, so let me broker the future of this organization. I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want them to give away four firsts to move up to number three to go get fields. You know, mm-hmm. that would be a, a little hefty of an ask. That would be me, probably a mistake. If the situation presents itself and you have the opportunity, save your job and this team. Yeah. I, I, that, was in, that was very well said. I couldn't agree with you more. Clip it. It's your last Clip chance. It. Um, Matt, we got some other things to talk about here uh, beyond the NFL draft. Doesn't NFL draft coming like your way on Thursday. We'll see how it all goes down. Um, a little bit of Southside baseball a night ago. Sure. Lucas Giolito absolutely shoving. Larusa comes and gets him. A little bit of mismanagement there. It, it just gives us an opportunity to kind of peek at the job that he's done through twenty-five or so games. How have you liked? Uh, how have you liked Big Tone at the helm? I'm not as low on him as, as a lot of people seem to be. I think he is the – to White Sox fans, I think there's a, a certain segment of them, especially the ones that are very vocal on Twitter that are rooting for him to fail and want him to lose and want to be critical of him all the time. I still think right now he's kind of feeling out his roster, feeling out what he has, and I, I think there's a reason that he's a Hall of Fame manager. I know he's old and hasn't done it for quite some time, but I, I don't think that's just something you necessarily lose right away, the ability to evaluate yeah. players and, and talent. Um, I didn't love the way last night was managed. I don't think anybody did, but at the same time, he had He didn't either. He was forthcoming yeah, about it. it you know? he, that's, he's going through a lot of trial and error right now, and I, I don't think that a lot of these games come. I, I don't think last night is necessarily going to cost you a division. I think he wanted to send his ace out there for one more inning and kind of see what he can have because I, I think he know what he went through and he had, he had that awful start in Boston. I think he wanted to keep building his confidence. She wouldn't have gotten out, gotten him out there earlier. Absolutely. When when uh, I, I think it was when the game tying double was hit. There's no reason Giolito should have been on the mound. But again, I, I think a lot of these things he's doing are. Testing his pitchers, testing mental toughness, all that kind of stuff. Not to say Lucas Giolito isn't mental t- mentally tough, but I think in his head, the moment he's like, "No, I want you to go get him. I want you to go do this. I want you to finish this." And yeah, in hindsight, he was wrong. And I think in October, when it's Game Three against the Minnesota Twins in a wild card in a divisional series, I don't think he's going to leave Lucas Giolito out there. I think he'll know to yeah. go to the bullpen. And, and um, frankly, and frankly, Matt, if the if the error is leaving a guy in too long, I can come to peace with that quicker than I can come to peace with taking a guy out and watching the bullpen get shelled. Yeah, and it, when that that guy is also Lucas, G, like it's not like you, if the error is not if the error is leaving Dylan Cease in too long, who's struggling to throw strikes and all that stuff. Yeah, I got a problem with that. Which, by the way, he's never had it. He's never done that this year. He's pulled Cease, I believe, after four and two thirds, five innings, and just about every time. If the error yeah. is leaving Lucas Giolito in too long, I'm never. Like, it's hard for me to be overly critical of the guy. I think the bigger issue I have has been the handling of the lineup at, at times this year. And like, like last night, I don't think they're uh, coming off a day off. I don't think there was any reason for Andrew Vaughn to not be in the lineup and for Larry, Gar- Larry Garcia to be in center field, Jake Lamb out. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that. I know you need to get everybody some time, everybody some mm-hmm. reps, but like Andrew Vaughn is 
already showing signs of, of, of progressing. Obviously, he came out in a slump, but he's he's seeing the ball well at the plate. He just came off his first two-hit game. Just let the guy go out and play left field every day. Yeah, like five days a week, six days a week, whatever. I don't love that handling of it, but for me, the biggest issue is the usage of Larry Garcia, and for some reason, continues to find himself in the lineup every other day. I just don't get it. I don't think he's a good baseball player. It's it's, it's a classic situation of falling in love with a guy because he can play so many positions, and like that fooling you into thinking he's good. Just because he can yeah. play short and and center and second and left and right doesn't mean he's good. Just means uh, he can I, play know, elsewhere. The first two weeks of the season gave us a little cause for concern with the Sox team, but I, I think they've come around a bit, at least offensively. Yeah, there's things mm-hmm. to polish up, but to me, they, they're starting to look like the product that we had hoped they'd look like, and that, yeah. that to me is encouraging. Yeah, and I, the best thing I saw all week, I think, was Michael Kopech, uh, what was it, on Sunday, just going out and absolutely shoving. Yeah. Um, that was... And- to see him do that in a start, granted, was it's not the best. Okay, Rangers speaking offense, of management, though, one. speaking of management, do you like sending him back to the pen, or do you feel like it's time that we get no, him in the I, rotation? I think it's too early to go. The, I, I think coming off Tommy John, having not pitched last year, you still need to be careful with the I amount agree. of innings he's throwing this year. And I think having him as a spot starter is exactly right. And I, I think also if you have any visions of him possibly starting a game in October, that doing what you're doing with him now and giving him every spot start he can. So maybe he's starting, you know, once every three weeks. I think that's a and good idea to kind of keep him in that mindset at times, but he's so valuable. You know what, bullpen. And do you know what a spot start like that does to an opposing clubhouse when you hear 12 hours before the game that the guy you're going to get for four innings is pushing it 98 yeah. plus and has The guy movement just struck out 10 hitters in five innings. Is coming off 10 strikeouts in five innings, and when he's fully extended, he looks like he's about five feet away from you. Like, mm-hmm. that is not what you want to hear on your way to the clubhouse if you're an opposing team. No, it's I, I, not like the way, I like the way that that situation – No, 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 no. I like the, the way that situation is being handled, most definitely. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think next year um, he is absolutely in that starting rotation. will be ready to go, but I think this year, is, with coming off the Tommy John, having not thrown a while, you don't want to overwork him. You don't want to have him run out of gas by October because if this team's going to do anything in October, they're going to need him. Um, I, I think you kind of keep steadying this course and, and using him the way you're using him. I, I loved his, I've loved his usage so far this season. Uh, baseball got a big boost over the weekend with that Dodgers Padres series, Matt. Fun. How tapped in were you? Uh, it was a ton of fun from start to finish. Um, just what did you make of what they showed us? And not to paint with too broad a strokes here, but just like what a series like that means for baseball. It's to have that series and not more, more importantly, have those moments like the, the Fernando Tatis and, and Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. stuff. And then hats off to Trevor Bauer in the media, basically saying, I love that Tatis was celebrating yeah. when he hit home. Like have fun. Like I did the same thing when I struck out Eric Hosmer with a curveball. Like that's, that's what we should be doing. So we should be having fun with that. But having those names and then capping it off on Sunday night baseball in what was an incredibly entertaining and fun game to watch. I thought that was about as good of a series as baseball has had for themselves in a long time because that yeah, showcased their young talent, showcased their world series champions, showcased their up and coming, you know, Nets big team and it was all in a rivalry setting and it was incredible drama pretty much throughout the entire series they don't play again until june but they have 12 more meetings throughout the season so we are we are far from uh finished when it comes to that rivalry and 
you know, that injection that, mm-hmm. that they've given to the game. Um, like you said, young talent meets World Series champions, some of the best arms in the world uh, on that Dodgers roster, some solid arms there on the Padres roster. I, I just think that the game's classic rivalries, if you want to call them, like the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, the uh, Cubs-Cardinals rivalry, they've all, not all of them, but a good number of them have fallen from favor. I think that the top rivalries right now, that one right there in the Dodgers and the Padres, Mm -hmm. and then you look at Houston versus everybody, uh, or Houston versus the A's. Houston versus, we'll see what that happens when the Yankees mm-hmm. beat them for the first time since the 2019 ALCS next week. Like, I, I think that the game needs rivalries, and this is a great budding one. Yeah, I think it's, we, we talked about it, I think it was last, last week or two weeks ago on the pod. I think it's the best rivalry in baseball right now, and I'm not sure it's terribly close because of where both teams are at. And when you have that big brother, little brother factor in there, I think that just adds to it. And then, like you just said, Cubs, Cardinals, both of those teams are kind of 500 teams fighting in the division. The Cardinals will probably be better. We don't know about the Cubs, the Red Sox, Yankees. The Yankees are in last place. The Red Sox are in first, but that probably isn't going to last. Like, I'm not sure how good either of those teams are. Like, with, with Padres, Dodgers, you have two legitimate World Series contenders going at each other. And it's, it's fun to watch. It creates more drama. Hopefully uh, it continues to entertain us as we move forward, Matt. Uh, we do have to shift our focus to the ice for – and I asked you, is it too early? No, it's not too no. early. You said no. Blackhawks postmortem here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Matt's Hockey Minute to put a bow on the Hawks season, even though they are not it, mathematically it, it was over. contention. It was over after that three-game kind of run against Nashville where they uh, – the, the one game they won – they still had to take it to overtime despite having a four-minute power play with two, with three minutes to go, whatever it was. Yeah. And then the next week, they, they, start, they had a good start against Nashville, ended up losing. Um, they were fun to watch early on in the year. They played a good style of hockey, but when it came down to it, they were winning as much as they were because they were getting fantastic goaltending and they were scoring at an insane rate on the power play. And things were kind. those things were somewhat unsustainable over a – 56 game season and those things started to kind of fall off the wayside and so did the team and at the same time too I think I think you looked at Patrick Kane and while he's still recording assists and distributing at an all-time level I I think you finally looked at a guy who started to run out of gas from just being the entirety of a team's offense for 30 games whatever it was we drew the Steph Curry comparison sorry to cut into your hockey no go for it we drew the Steph Curry comparisons either last week or the week before and like those are completely just um they're in lockstep. Like yeah. Steph is Steph could be an MVP if the team was a contender, but mm-hmm. he's just, he, it appears that he's running out of gas here. Yeah. And that's just kind of what it was. I mean, that that's the, it's a, it's an incredible comparison. It's basically the same situation. They just, they're, they're great players who were doing it all for a while. And they just, it's really hard to ask somebody to do that for that long of a stretch for the entirety yeah. of a season at the NHL or the NBA level. Um, they got some pieces for the future. I'd still call this year probably a success. You found you found some nice pieces that you didn't know you had that you think you can go forward with, but there's mm-hmm. still a lot of questions going forward too. So it's it's going to be an important off season like it always is. Um, that's Matt's hockey minute here on the tail end of a Blackhawk season. Watch them win out, and uh, we have to bring them back to life. Um, you will be tasked with doing that as well. That's fine. I have no problem resurrecting teams. I've done it several times. (laughs) Uh, We've also resurrected a take or two here on the Moose and Runes podcast, but I'm a lot of them, Matt, so you want to jump into a little bit of buy or sell? We got any mailbags, some uh, 
some some fan driven content. We here. got we do have some mailbags coming up. I'm going to sit on them for a week or two because we had that draft content. We had all the stuff. We're, we're going to save it for for a week or for a, a day that we might not have as much uh, okay draft content where we're looking for a little bit more. We, we do have some mailbags. The fans have been coming in big time. Uh, but let's hit up some buy or sell, and then let's uh, let's get right. you on the golf course. I'm going to I'm going to lead us off here. Yeah, Trump Ferry Point today. Uh, it's not a political statement. It's, it's a golf course. Just a, it's just it's just a golf course. It's just a golf um, course also, <laughs> also, might I point out? Might I point out? Not owned by the Trump Corporation. Just operated by the oh, Trump Corporation. City of New York is trying to force them off the naming rights too. Big 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 legal stuff going down. I, I'm just trying to get an 18 at a beautiful track. Yeah, that's um, all we, we care will about. have. We will have a uh, maybe we'll do a little course you review, do a course review. Uh, of, yeah. of Ferry Point. I would like that. on Moose and Runes 205. But for the purposes of right now, we will keep it on the course. Buy or sell, Matt, the PGA Tour bonus pool. The tour announcing a $40 million bonus pool for players that, quote, move the needle. Um, it, it, appears to be, uh, it appears to be a push to get the guys to be a little bit more active on social media. And uh, oddly enough, right after this pool is announced, about three days later, we get our first sighting of the big cat on social media. <laughs> not that the man, not that the man, that needs he needs anything to enter a forty million dollar to move the to move the needle. But uh, just from from an idea standpoint, from from a just from a, a structure standpoint, do you think it's good or bad for the game? I love it. It's getting buy creative. I'm, I'm, yeah. I buy it. There, I don't think there's any downside to it. You're getting creative. You're trying to get ways to market your player. Your I'm sorry, golfers and players, whatever you want to call them, trying to get. A, your brand out there and market your tournaments because now that Tiger's not going to be there as much, you do need to start marketing your guys and creating those stars. And two, it helps the players build their own brand, which that's what all athletes seem to be, be about now and golfers especially because they are not on teams. They're kind of their own entities. It, it helps them build themselves up and gives them incentive to do so. So I, I yeah. think it's a win-win. And then uh, the third front, it gets your fans more involved with – their favorite players gets them to learn about more players. And it's going to likely tune into more ratings. So I, I'm all for it. I think it's a, cre- a creative idea that doesn't have much of a downside. Uh, I, I'll point out the downside. I buy it okay. as well, but the downside to me is it's going to, I just want to see how they implement it because the downside is just throwing $40 million at a bunch of names. We know like, Will Zalatoris and what he did at the Masters should get a chunk of that change mm-hmm. for the way he introduced himself to the greater golfing public. Um, I, I just think that when you're being subjective with $40 million and the way you allocate it, somebody's going to be pissed. Like somebody's not going to be happy with where that money goes, whether that money goes in a Tiger's pocket, Ricky's pocket, whether they're trying to convince DJ to have a little bit of a more public persona Mm -hmm. uh, for people to sink their teeth into whatever the driving force is. You're going to have somebody who says, Hey, I did X, Y, and Z. My followers went up by X percent. I brought this many eyes on this weekend and I saw nothing out of the pot. What are, what are the terms here in which you're allocating these dollars? I guess would be the one hole I'd like to poke in this. I don't know what the terms are for which they're No, no, no. no. I'm, not, I'm not asking you. Oh, I'm yeah. asking that of, I'm asking yeah. that You'd of like to, uh, that, the commissioner's office and the tour. You know? I would, I would hope it's some sort of percentage of increase in your followers rather than just the, the sheer number, because you're right. Like, and, and, and I'm not sure. And I'm not sure that Tiger that's does like, something. Tiger could tweet high and yeah. he would, when you know he would earn probably most of the the, whatever the most significant portion of that is and i was gonna say like i'm not sure that that's the metric i'm not sure that Mm -hmm. follower uh or engagement numbers or whatever it may be i'm just worried that it's going to become a pool of a 40 million dollar bonus 
for the 10 guys that everyone already knows mm-hmm. yeah, that that would that's my hesitation with this but yeah. i buy it anyway because more money in the game means more eyes on the game means more articles about the game means the good of the game so i i'm i'm all for it as well yeah we are a golf pod so we are a golf we pod. want what's uh, best for anything? the game yeah, yeah, I, got, I just got a quick buy or sell because I haven't watched much hoops this year, and I know you kind of have, uh, mm-hmm. at least more than I have. I, I keep looking at the Western Conference standings, Eastern Conference standings as well, but I keep looking at the Western Conference standings, and for the longest time now, it's it's the Jazz and the Suns jostling for one-two. Obviously, I know LeBron has been out for a while, AD missing time. That's why the Lakers aren't up there, but is it time to buy or sell the Jazz or Suns as a legitimate contender in the West, or are we still Lakers, maybe Clippers, and nobody else? Um, I'd buy them both. Like it would not one of those two teams is going to be in the conference championship. I really feel that way. Now, will they represent the West? I don't know. That depends how healthy LA can get. That depends how clutch Paul George wants to be, because right now from where I'm sitting, the Clippers are in the most primo spot in terms of health, in terms of ability, in terms Mm -hmm. of star power, in terms of nobody talking about them. The Clippers are sitting in the catbird seat out west. Um, now, they're not the first overall seed. They're not the second. I think they're sitting in third right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, they could push here late, but even if they don't, they're going to be a problem for anybody and everybody from a matchup standpoint. I believe they have the second best win percentage in the NBA since the All-Star break. Um, yes, the Suns have been great. Yes, Utah's been great, but... How many guys on each of those rosters are NBA champions? And that's often the question you need to ask mm-hmm. around this se- this time of the season. Um, there's some, I think there's some position players on Utah that might have one. Uh, I think Jordan Clarkson, I want to say, was on. Jay Crowder's on the Suns, right? He has one, right? Jay Crowder's made it. But I'm talking about. Yeah, like in terms of leaders. Stars, yes. I'm talking about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I'm talking about Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Um, DeAndre Ayton, the guys that are leading your team, how much playoff, how much postseason, how much championship experience do they have? And I mean, for as long as Chris Paul has been in the game, not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And the hamstring and the hamstring went the last actual chance he had back in 2018 with the Rockets. Um, so I think there's a ton of question marks everywhere in the NBA right now with injuries and otherwise. But I think for as many years as we've said, oh, this is a one-team race, this is a two-team race, this is a three-team race, I think it's pretty wide open out west. So I will buy both of them as actual contenders because I wouldn't be surprised with any outcome out of the Western Conference this year as things currently stand. Well, I like to hear that. And I'm now, again, looking at the standings, and it's not impossible that we could see a Lakers-Clippers first-round matchup, and that would just be awesome. It would be unbelievable. It would be so awesome. It'd be fantastic. I mean, LeBron is going to be fresh. I'd like to see him get a couple games in here at the tail end of the season, which I think is still the goal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who is who, who are the Lakers? You know, who are the Los Angeles Lakers? It's a different team than a year ago. Yeah, there's still a ton of pieces there, but it's a different identity. I mean, you got... You got Andre Drummond working into a lineup, which can only help you defensively. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, Dennis Schroeder, they've had to take on bigger roles here in LeBron's absence. There's just a lot of unknown. And I'm going to be really interested to see if at the end of the season we're talking about a bunch of teams who played together all year. Because the Jazz, outside of a Donovan Mitchell dinged-up injury for, I think he was out for like a week and a half, Mm -hmm. um, it's been pretty consistent in, in who they've rolled out on the court. The Suns been pretty consistent in who they've rolled out on the court what kind of continuity do you have come playoff time now out east the continuity comes into question with the nets but i'm sorry 
those three guys are on the court, no one's beating them. That that's that's yeah. the long and short of it. And it sounds like James Harden might have some issues, and we might not see him until playoff time because he did have a setback with that hamstring. But even just KD and Kyrie and the pieces around them, I mean Joe Harris, all those other guys, like it's 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 pretty plain to see that it's going to be Philly. It's going to be. It's going to be Philly, and it's going to be New York out of the East, and Brooklyn. I mean, I, uh, thank you, Philly and Brooklyn. Unless you really East. love Tibbs, I I wouldn't be surprised if that team's in a conference semifinal either. That's how that's how open it is. But in terms of top tier talent in the East, yeah, for me it comes down to those two teams, and um, I love I, I like Philly. I enjoy watching Philly play. I think they're a complete team. But can you run? Can you run an offense through a center in the playoffs and be successful? Um, the same question could be asked of the Nuggets in the mm-hmm. West. Um, it, I, I'm just really, really enthused by the amount of questions we have at this point. In the season. Yeah, there aren't, many, so many, there aren't years, many foregone conclusions. For so many years we've had, it's going to be these two teams, and maybe this third could, could make an NBA Finals appearance. But for the most part, you kind of just knew who it was going to be for a while. This yeah. is the first time in a while it really seems like like last year, I think there were. Pro- I don't think many people would have thought the Heat, but it was pretty much it's going to be the Lakers or Clippers out of the West. It'll be one of three teams out of the East, and that's about that. This year, I mean, like you're saying, there's there's two in the East. There's like four or five in the West. You could see I mean, it's it's going to be a fun playoffs to watch. And like, you know, we've now seen Miami do it. Like we, we've seen them do it from an eight seed spot, from a seven seed spot, and just go out and beat everybody. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're now a team that you kind of can't count out in the playoffs yet either. Uh, yep. it, it's a the first time in a long time I'm going to go into the first round of the NBA playoffs like with some actual interest and some intrigue. Yeah, we might have some some fun matchups as you alluded to there in the first round as yeah. well. Uh, Matt, that's all I got for you. You got any other buyers? I just want you to hit them straight. That's all. Buy or sell. Joe's going to hit them straight today. Set an over under on the round. It's a tough. It's a tough track. Tips yeah. out to seventy four hundred. Well, you're we're gonna not play it from like no. We're gonna play it from like sixty eight five, which yeah. is plenty. Plenty of golf course for me. Yeah, for uh, sure. I've been told by the assistant pro there. Uh, shout out to my guy Greg Ducharme and my guy Michael Breed. Um, they are the pro and assistant pro over there at Ferry Point, who gave me some pointers. They said, you know, you'll have a really fun day from the middle of the fairway. If you're up on the mounds or in the fairway bunkers, you're not, not going to want to come back. Yeah. So uh, we're taking on a, a link style test, par 72. Set an over-under for the kid. I need a goal. Uh, 87. Wow. Okay. I, I like I like how realistic you were with the setting of the over-under there. 87 yeah. makes me – 87 is – well, I, I wasn't going to – I wasn't going to go out and throw out 81 and give you something that you got I mean, to play your absolute what did, best. What did you put – when I went to Arizona, you made my scoring average what? 83? 83 and a half? No, I thought it was like 85 and a half. No, was it? Yeah, I don't think I would have given you that. I, okay. I, I think I think you're going out to a course you haven't played before. And granted, you've swung the club probably a little bit more than most. But it's still early, early on in the year. You're not out on the course all that often. 87 is a good number. It's. I think 87 is, is a very solid – realistic, beatable, achievable number. And if you play pretty well, you're going to be, you're going to clear that easily. If you don't play great, you're still going to have a shot at it. I think that's, I think that's the number, but let's clear that. Uh, out. We, we like to delve into all the lines here. We, we like to um, give you guys stuff to take a look at. I'm not sure if you can find the Joe Musso over under 87 at Ferry point uh, on your personal betting sites, but go there, take a look, see if you can catch the Might be on points bet. Myself, Maybe it's on points bet. I, I myself could be on points bet. Uh, I myself, and taking the under. Okay, I'll take the under too. I want that. 
I lock it. Lock that. of the week. Lock it up for us. Also, if I take, if I took that as my lock, of the week, <laughs> you just mushed me. I mushed you. You just mushed me. Oh, if I go out there and have a terrible day, this no, is I'm putting. No, I want you. This is you're, you. gonna, you're gonna. You're know, You're gonna break the the bad luck. Story. You're putting. You're putting the Matt Rooney curse on my back to break. I am. Uh, something's going to break it. I'm it's, not it's, sure it's, if it's 87. It's the ultimate irony. The guy that just kicked my ass in gambling <laughs> is the one that has to save me. Uh, well, here's the ultimate irony, too. I still have a sleeve or two of the Alabama balls you bought me, so those will be in bust play. Them, bust them out for And hopefully, luck. those will be in play figuratively and hopefully literally yeah. uh, out here when we hit the when we hit the links. But uh, one, that's going to do it. one to the course and then use the rest. I'll donate on 18 when I flip it to a fan in the gallery. There you go. That's going to do it for this episode of the Moose and Dunes podcast, episode 204. We appreciate you guys tuning in to this draft special. Uh, we hope we have hair in our head to pull out uh, after the Bears probably become the butt of the joke at some Stop point it. in this Stop NFL it. draft. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go out positive. Yeah. Here's to the Bears doing everything right in 24 hours and moving this franchise in the right direction. Breaking news, Bears draft Justin Fields eighth overall. And first overall, they, they give up the next 10 first round picks and they don't take Trevor Lawrence with a first overall pick. Which you say, we, we uh, had our conviction. They went up and got their guy. That's it. Uh, we hope the best for the Bears and we hope the best for you, our Moose and Runes listeners. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. As Matt said, we do have some mailbag questions for a rainy day, but that does not mean don't send more. We love when you guys get involved with the pod. But for now, he's Matt. I am Joe. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>